0: This is blood.
1: for victory. Let's turn around and shake hands in fellowship, and fellowship. Welcome our visitors tonight.
0: Cleansing flood
1: Larry put that Victory in Jesus back up on the screen Just a moment Can you do that I want you to all take your piece of paper And I want you to Read out each letter E I will see how good your eyesight is (laughs) We'll get that enlarged Just a doubt Amen are you glad you got victory tonight, amen? I'm glad to be here. What a blessed privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord. Good to have those that are visiting with us and appreciate you being in the services. Let's pray now and ask the Lord to touch us tonight and open our hearts up to our look and study in the scriptures. That hey, God will give us something tonight that will be of great benefit to, to, to us. Steve Fletcher, you lead us in prayer if you would, please. Yes. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen, absolutely. Be with us tonight, Lord. Yes, amen. Let's continue to sing.
0: Let's turn over to page number 363, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, 363. Okay. What a fellowship, what a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness, what a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from our Red one. know, learning to lean, learning to lean, and finding more power than ever dream. All together now. Learning. Learning
1: The set rushers come forward to receive her offering and remind you once again on Wednesday nights everything that you give goes to our Bible conference, and that is just a few weeks away. And your giving on Wednesday night allows us to provide lodging for many of the guests that come in, a number of them. And what we try to do through the years is just open it up to pastors and their families that want to come in and spend the week with us. And uh, we provide the rooms free for them and uh, give, provide meals during the day, different things. We want to make it possible where many that maybe could not afford to get away for a whole week and be able to come, uh, we take all of that burden off of them so they can come in here and be here for the week to hear the Word of God and, and all the things that go on. And that's, that's a blessing. It's a ministry. It's a ministry what we do. So let me encourage you to give tonight, just like I say, just a few weeks away from the conference. And and uh, we're already taking reservations, and they are coming in very quickly this year. We were talking about it today, and we have actually one week later getting our letters out to everyone this year. And, uh, but immediately, uh, we're already getting response and reservations. So we have a good numbers coming in this year. And so the more you give, the more we can do. So let me encourage you to give tonight. And, uh, and the Lord will bless you for it and, and, and dig down deep and maybe give a little something extra over the next few weeks. And let me say I appreciate all of your giving. There's so many things going on, and it seems like we're asking you to give in so many ways for so many things. But I want you to know I appreciate the way you're giving. And wasn't uh, Sunday, wasn't that a blessing how God just blessed Sunday and different things and uh, getting started to the new building and different things? Just It's a blessing what has come in and just three weeks, and we're excited about it, and appreciate your giving, and uh, just keep on doing so, and the Lord will bless you. But let's pray now, and you give. Father, we thank you now for the purpose for which we are given tonight, and we thank you, Lord, for the conference, and we ask you even now to begin to prepare our hearts for what you want to do for us. We ask for the hand of the Lord to be upon the conference to touch, touch each one that will be speaking and preaching the Word of God to us, and then, Lord, for the many of the guests that will be coming in pastors and their families there'll be some Lord that'll come in that are uh, discouraged and going through battles in their churches but I pray dear God that it'll be a wonderful week in the Lord and their hearts will be stirred and their hearts will be blessed thank you Lord for the servant spirit that you put in these folks to minister to them when these to our guests when they come father may it just be a week anointing to the Lord that you'll do wonderful things in one, in many hearts Father, bless our giving tonight. Thank you for what has been given. Lord, the more we give, the more we can do for others. So I pray you'll bless the offering tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Scripture tells us, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. As the uh, guys and I have been working the last couple weeks on trying to get our first CD uh, ready, every session has begun in prayer, and we ask the Lord just to lead us and guide us and bless our voices and bless our ministry, and we've come to a consensus on titling this first effort the Lord's allowed us to do. And we've chosen the theme, now is the time. And the scripture tells us that the night cometh when no man will be able to work anymore for the Lord. And now is the time we need to get something done through his power, through his strength, through his blessings. And I don't care if this church is full, there's not a seat in here. Rick told us a couple weeks ago, he came in on Sunday night and saw these young men out here playing soccer, and thought, what a mission field. How can we reach those people to bring them inside the church? They need Christ. And if we build a 1,500-seat auditorium and fill it up, that will just be a small drop in the bucket of people in our neighborhood, people in your neighborhoods where you live, that are lost, that need to be here, that need to hear the Word of God. And uh, when Rick asked me to sing tonight, I've been kind of looking at the song the last couple of months anyway in light of that. It's an old, old song, and you probably know it. But I hope maybe the message will speak to your heart like it's spoken to mine. It says, my house is full. My field is empty.
3: I feel is empty oh. the reapers where are they in the house oh can't his children
1: Thank you, Joe. Let's open our Bibles to the book of James, chapter 1, the book of James, chapter 1, and we'll continue our study through the book of James tonight. James, chapter 1. Great song. That song always, has always spoken to my heart through the years. I appreciate Joe singing it. We're excited about our fall semester of faith. It actually starts Thursday week, a week from tomorrow night, and we're excited about it. Our fall semester of faith. And we were talking about it today. We're going to have 70, is it 72? 72 that will be going out every Thursday night uh, visiting. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. And our fall semester of faith. And we're excited about that. And all of those that are going to be a part and learning how to be a great commissioned Christian. But exciting, exciting days are ahead. The Spring semester was such a wonderful time. And I'm all ready. Excited about the fall semester and all that the Lord is going to be doing. But that starts Thursday week. Everybody has little stories that they like. One of my favorite stories is a story that I read some time ago about a fella that rode into a western town on a stagecoach. And he began to look for jobs and he finally was hired as the local saloon's bartender. The owner of the bar's saloon was telling him a few things, and then he gave him a word of warning. He said, Now, won't you remember, if you ever hear that Big John's on his way to town, drop everything you're doing and run for your life. He said, No, don't. Now, listen to me. If you ever hear Big John's coming, you run. Well, things went fine for several months until one day this big, strong cowhand with a ghost-white face, burst through the swinging door shouting, Big John's are coming. Big John's are coming. And immediately, everybody began to scatter. They were shooting out windows, running out doors. They were getting out wherever they could, knocking the bartender to the floor, running over him as they rushed out the door and jumped out windows and whatever. Well, the bartender finally gathered his senses. He got up off the floor and he was dusting himself off when this giant of a man suddenly came through the saloon doors. He rode through the saloon doors riding bareback on a buffalo, using a rattlesnake for a whip. And as he rode through the doors, he splintered the doors and the door frames. He flung his snake over into the corner, knocked over the tables as he walked up to the bar. And then with his massive fist, he brought it down on the bar and split the bar in half. And he yelled, give me a drink. But the bartender said, yes, sir. And he poured him, gave him a bottle. The man picked the bottle up. He bit the top of the bottle off with with his teeth. He drowned the contents in one gulp. And then he let out a bouch that shattered the saloon mirror. And then he turned to leave. And the bartender said, would you like to have another drink? And the man roared as he jumped back on his buffalo and said, I ain't got time. Big John's coming to town. Well, there may be some of you tonight that feel like Big John's come riding into your life. The way things have been going and things have been happening. But James has got a good word for you. I want you to stand as we honor the public reading of his word. I want you to look at James Chapter 1, verse 2, 3, and 4. Last Wednesday night, we began our study of James, and we thought about a letter from a slave. And we met James in the very beginning in verse 1. We learned a few things about James. James happens to be the half-brother, happened to be the half-brother of the Lord. James, he talks about the Jesus Christ, him being a servant. But now, beginning in verse 2, I want you to notice what he has to say. He says, my brethren... And immediately tells me that he's writing to believers, "My brethren, now notice, counted all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this: that the trying of your faith worketh patience." Verse four. "But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Thank you, you may be seated. I want us to look at these three verses tonight. And I want us to think about turning tears in the telescopes, turning tears in the telescopes. Let's pray. Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, as we come to you, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, especially tonight for this particular portion of the Word of God, for this book of the Word of God, but especially for this particular portion. What an encouraging word it is to our hearts And I pray tonight that you will use the Word of God in our time and study of the Word of God to be a benefit to those that have gathered here. Father, speak to us. Honor your Word and glorify Jesus in these moments. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you because it is in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. In the opening verses of James, he begins to talk to us about trials. We hear a lot about trials and trials in the life of the believer. Well, James begins by talking about trials. And in the very beginning, he talks about trials and he helps us to understand that we can take our tears or turn our tears in the telescopes. What James does is help us to look at things as they are in the present and look at them through a future perspective or from a future perspective, you notice James talks about temptations in verse two. My brethren encountered all joy when you fall into divers temptations. I'll underscore the word temptations for a moment. Oftentimes, when we think of the word temptation and we use the word temptation, we use it in the context of something that is seductive or a solicitation to do wrong. We think about temptation as the pull of the world, and the flesh and the devil, to pull us away from God or to pull us into sin. That's how we, that's what we think of when we use the word temptation. But when James uses the word temptation," he is not talking about seduction, but he's talking about suffering. He's not talking about temptation, but he's talking about trials. James is talking about the trials that are experienced in the life of the believer. And at the very beginning of the book, he writes about trials. Now, if you remember from our first study, James is writing to a scattered people, not a sheltered people. And you remember in verse 1, we saw they were scattered because of the persecution they were going through. So James is writing, as I said, to a scattered people, not a sheltered people. And in the very beginning, he talks to them about trials. He is writing to people who is experiencing trials in their life. Now let me say this, and then we're going to get into the study. In my opinion, verses 2 through 4 of the book of James are some of the most enlightening words in the Bible about trials. And furthermore there's some of the most encouraging words in the Bible for those who are going through dark times in their life and for those who are experiencing trials in their life as I said a moment ago trials teaches us how to turn our tears into telescopes trials teach us or as James as we look at what he has to say he teaches us that trials should not be viewed as a foe but our trials can be viewed as a friend when we turn our tears into telescopes. So are you with me tonight? Say amen. Let's begin noticing the things from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. If you have your little bulletin, you're filling in, mark it in. It helps you to remember. If you write it down, you hear it and you see it. So follow us tonight. The first thing that I want you to look at is this. I want you to notice from James chapter 1 the predicted outbreak of trials. The predicted outbreak of trials. You see one of the things that James tells us in verse 2 through 4 is that trials are certain and that trials should be expected in our life as a believer he tells us that as a Christian we can mark it down that somewhere and at some time there's going to be an outbreak of trials in our life I notice carefully what James says in verse 2 he said my brethren counted all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Now notice carefully that James says when you fall. Not if you fall, but when you fall. The question is not if we have trials. The question is when we have trials. The issue is not what to do if trials comes. The issue is what to do when trials comes. For James tells us in the very beginning that somewhere... We are all going to fall into trials. He is telling us at the very beginning that sometime or another we can expect trials to come in our life. I think about what Peter said in 1 Peter 4 and verse 12. He said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Peter said, Don't think it strange that trials come. Or if I may put it another way, Peter says, don't be surprised when trials come in your life. Why well, Peter is telling us that we should, as a Christian, expect trials to come. Again, it's like James said, it's not if, but it's a matter of when. I also think about something Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.11, and I noticed these words the other day in my reading of this portion. And I'd read this before, but I had never noticed the particular words or how fa- Paul said it. But in 2 Timothy 3.11, Paul spoke about persecutions and afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, and I called him in Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but listen to this statement. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now the words that caught my attention was, Paul said, but out of them the Lord delivered me. He did not say From them the Lord delivered me, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. In other words, what Paul said, God didn't stop trials from coming in my life, but there was a point in time in my life that he delivered me and brought me out of those trials. In other words, Paul was saying the same thing that James was saying. It's not what we do if trials comes, but it's what we do when trials comes. So he tells us there is going to be an outbreak of trials in our life. We can't avoid it. We can't avoid it. Being saved doesn't make you immune from trials. Being a Christian does not shelter you from trials and adversity. James says, no. You can expect somewhere in life for trials to come. So James tells us that trials are going to come. But notice more carefully, he talks about trials coming when, not if. And then he tells us how those trials can come in our life. For one thing, James tells us that trials can come suddenly. Notice what he said. Notice the phrase there and put brackets around it. When ye fall, notice that. James said, my brethren counted all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. You underscore the word fall. The word is used only one other time in the Bible. It's used twice in the Bible, here in James 1, 2, and the other time is in Luke 10 and verse 30. And there in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, the Bible said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. The word fall in James 1, 2, and the word fail in Luke 10, 30 are the same word. And the usage of it in the story of the Good Samaritan, I think, is very enlightening about what James is talking about. You know the story. There's a man that's on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's on his merry way traveling down the road, and he comes around the bend, and all of a sudden, there's some robbers that jump out of the bushes or jump out of hiding, and they savagely beat him up. They suddenly attack him. They attack him without warning, they attack him without notice. They didn't put a sign up down the road. It said, warning, robber's 500 yards ahead. And they didn't get out and whistle say, bud, we just want you to know before you come around the bend, we're going to beat you up. No, they jumped out on him without warning. They jumped out on him. They attacked him suddenly. Now, the ideal James has, he said, when ye fall, he is talking about that which comes without warning in our life. He is talking about that which happens suddenly in our life. James tells us that trials are going to come and that our trials can come without warning. And our trials can come suddenly. We're going along in our merry little way without a care in the world. Then all of a sudden, bam, we find ourselves engulfed in a trial. All it takes is a knock at the door. You know this, a phone call. All it takes is a visit to the doctor. All it takes is a pink slip on Friday. And suddenly the seas that had been so calm now become a raging sea. And suddenly we find ourselves immersed in a trial. Everything may be fine at the present, but it may be just around the bend. There's a trial that is facing us. I find it very interesting that we get our English word pirate. From the word that is translated temptation in James one two, we might say it when you fall or when pirates attack you. It's like a pirate, uh, a pirate ambushing an unsuspecting ship. Trials can come unexpectedly, ambushing us in life. James says trials are going to come, and they can even come without warning. They can come suddenly. But notice something else he says about trials. He not only tells us that our trials can come suddenly, but he also explains they can come separately. Let me show you what I'm talking about. James not only talked about when you fall, but notice that phrase there. There's two words, divers, temptations. Again, we saw the word temptation describes trials, but put emphasis upon the word divers there. The word divers is a very, very interesting word. We would call it a technicolor word. It literally means multicolored when he talks about divers he's talking about that which is multicolored in fact the same word used by James is the same word that was used in the Old Testament in the Septuagint to speak of the coat of many colors that Joseph wore a multicolored trial is said or a variety of colors In the trial what James is talking about he is using a word to describe the diversity of our trials and how those trials are separated and how there is a diversity among them James is saying trials are going to come you said not James says you mark it down somewhere in life you're going to face a trial and they may come suddenly Like the robbers jumping the man on the Jericho Road you may find your trial to be to come without warning or notice and they may come Separately there may be a diversity of things that happens in your life It's like Shakespeare in one of his writings, said when sorrows come they come not in a single spy, but they come in battalions And it may be that in your life that it's not just a trial, but it's trials A multicolored trials. It may be for you, your trial is one thing. But for somebody else over here, their trial is something totally different. But on the other hand, it may be you're experiencing not just one trial, but many trials. You're You're experiencing this in your life, and you're experiencing this in your life, and then over here is this happening in your life. It's not one thing, but many things happening in your life. It's like all of a sudden, all these things have happened to you and you find yourself going through all these many different things, various kind of trials, trials that are separated. Paul James says trials are going to come. They may come suddenly and they may come separately. They may come with diversity. I think about one writer and I was reading his book this week and I I enjoyed and, and appreciated how he talked about trials. In fact, he talked about two basic kind of Trials. And you can jot these notes down in your bulletin because I thought this was good. He divided all trials. He, he said there are many different trials. And adversity can come in our life in many different ways, multicolor. There may be a black trial, there may be a red trial, maybe a yellow trial, or a green trial. But they basically, he said, you can put them into two different kinds. One, they're what he called the trials of correction. And two there is what he called the trials of perfection. The trials of correction come when we are out of the will of God. God sends adversity to correct us and to bring us back to the will of God or back in the will of God. But the trials of perfection come to those who are in the will of God. The trials of correction come to those who are out of God's will but the trials of perfection come to those who are in God's will. God has a work of perfecting us but whether they're trials of correction or trials of perfection our trials may come suddenly and they may come separately but they will come are you listening to me tonight say amen I wish I could tell you tonight give your life to God all your problems are over now I wish I could get up here tonight and tell you that if you'll live for God And give to the building fund every week. You'll never have any problem in your life. But I can't be, I'll be less than honest if I told you that because James is being honest and James says, I don't want to be a pessimist, but trials will come in your life. Look at the second thing. He not only talks about the predicted outbreak of trials, but notice what he he talks about, the promised outcome of our trials. He predicts an outbreak of trials in our life, they will come. But he tells us and he assures us there is a outcome of our trials. He tells us that trials will come. But when they come, they always have a purpose. Notice what he said in verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now the word knowing there simply talks about understanding. It's like James is saying, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand, trials are going to come, but I want you to understand that when trials come, they are not without rhyme and reason. James is saying, I want you to understand that when your trials come, they come with God's markings on them, and they come with a purpose. Trials are going to come, but understand, they always have a reason. There is an outcome to our trials. What is the purpose of trials in our life? Well, notice more carefully James's words, and he gives us some suggestions why trials would come. He talks about how they produce certain things in our life. For one thing, James tells us that trials produce spiritual purity in our life. Notice the words, the trying of your faith. James said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, and maybe put brackets around the word trying there in verse 3. The word trying that is used there is a word that describes at a, pur- a purging effect in our life. The word trying, the purging of our lives. And the picture behind the word is of the precious metals being heated in order for the impurities to be removed. And the silversmith or the goldsmith will heat the fire hot and he'll. Began to melt down that gold and silver, and it gets so hot that any impurities in that metal will rise to the top, and he'll skim those impurities off. So it becomes pure gold and pure silver. James is saying, There is the trying of your faith, there is the purging of your faith. God is wanting to get the impurities out of our lives and trials are often the method of God whereby He purges our life of things that doesn't please him. We all find ourselves accumulating a lot of junk in our life, don't we? And we find ourselves getting cold and we find ourselves getting indifferent We don't care for the world. We don't care for the loss. We find ourselves Accumulating little sins here and little sins there, but one of the ways that God purges our life is through the furnace of adversity George Sweeting said a Christian is a lot like a teabag. It's not worth much until he's been through hot water Well, God puts us in hot water God puts us in the fire and God puts us in the trial in order to purge our lives. Things that maybe that doesn't please God. He works to get those out of our lives. Someone said God puts us on our back that we might look up. We go on in our own self-sufficiency, in our own little lives, and we have no time for God. But God knows how to put us in a place where we'll look up to God. And we'll let God do in our life what he wants to do. And trials are often the way whereby God accomplishes this purging work in our life. Francis Francis Thompson says, Sorrow, loss, and disappointment were hounds of heaven sent to bring the wonder back to the haven of peace from which he strayed. And trials sometimes have that effect of purifying our lives, bringing us back to God, purging our lives of things that doesn't please him. They produce spiritual Purity, but well, he talks about something else. Our trials not only produce spiritual purity, but he also describes how our trials produce spiritual stability. Notice what he said in verse 3 notice the words worketh patience. You see that? James said, I want you to understand this there's a reason trials are gonna come verse 1 but I want you to understand verse 2 that when they come there's a reason it may be that God is purifying your life it may be that God is stabilizing your life see the word patience there we think about patience we think of that trait that is so common to the average husband you am I not right ladies say Amen right there we think of patience in that way but patience the word that he uses here speaks of perseverance of endurance, of steadfastness, of standing strong, of stability. James is telling us that patience, that God through trials, He worketh patience in our life. He worketh endurance in our life. He worketh perseverance in our life. He builds us and makes us strong. He produces spiritual stability. Someone said trials of the divine gymnasium whereby our spiritual muscles are developed. How do we become strong? Be strong in the Lord, Ephesians 6.10 said. How are we made strong? Through trials. Look at something else. Are you still with me now? Say amen. Amen. He produces spiritual purity. He produces spiritual stability. But he also tells us that trials produce spiritual maturity. Verse 4, James says, but let patience have Her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing twice James uses the word perfect it's not talking about sinless perfection James uses the word perfect a word that means complete full-grown mature a full life James is talking about spiritual maturity And in verse 4, he makes it clear that he doesn't want the believer to be lacking. He doesn't want them to live an incomplete life. He doesn't want them wanting in their Christian life, but to live a full and complete Christian life, to live what God wants them to live and to be everything God wants them to be. And James says God is working to perfect you to mature you to build you and to mold you and shape you that you might grow spiritually so why do trials come in our life they're going to come mock it down and say I've never had any trials in my life well I don't want to discourage you but somewhere you will That's a promise of God but the promise of God is that when they come they they will come with a reason either to purify you to stabilize you or to mature you whatever the reason trials have a purpose kind of like airplanes taking off and they take off by overcoming the resistance of gravity in the wind. Gravity fights to hold that plane to the ground the wind fights to hold that plane to the ground But once that plane overcomes gravity and once that plane overcomes wind The very thing that tried to hold it to the ground is the very thing that lifts it higher and higher and higher and Trials to me tonight listen to the Word of God when they come God has a reason for the trials of life You believe that? They may come multicolored. For you, it may be a black trial. For you, it may be a red trial. For you, it may be one thing. For you, it may be another thing. But regardless of how they come and when they come, God is doing something in your life. I'll never forget a story I read one time of a little boy. I never forgot this. A little boy that was born with a badly deformed foot. And when he was eight years old, he was operated twice in that, on twice in that one year trying to straighten that foot out, but to no avail. And the doctors that did the surgery finally said to the parents that his foot would never be straight. But they, didn't, they weren't going to rest with, those, with that. So they began to look and talk to other doctors. There was one doctor that said, I believe I can straighten the foot. It won't be easy, but I believe I can straighten it. So the doctor operated on the foot And after the surgery, he put the little boy's foot in a strange-looking box. And on the side of the box, there were adjustable screws that pressed against the foot. For months, the little boy's foot was kept in that box. And every day, the screws were adjusted on that box. And the pain and suffering was unbearable for the little boy. And he would scream with pain and cry and beg his dad, to take the box off his foot. But the father, mingling his tears with his sons, would just tighten the screws tighter as the little boy would scream in pain. Finally, the day came when the box was removed and when the little boy stood up for the first time in his life, he stood with a straight foot. Now, God sometimes, and it may come suddenly, They may come in a variety of ways, but they are those boxes God puts us in. And they hurt. And they're not enjoyable. They're not pleasant experiences. But God has a reason for tightening the screws on us. And God has a reason for adversity and God has a reason for affliction and God has a reason for our trials. They will come, but they will never come without a purpose. Aren't you glad for that? Say amen. Amen. There are the trials. He talks about the predicted outbreak of these trials but the promised outcome. There's a third and a final thing I want you to see from the text and that is the proper outlook for our trials. James predicts there's going to be an outbreak of trials in our life. But he tells us and shares with the promise of the outcome of those trials. But he not only tells us those trials can be expected and that they always have a purpose, but he tells us how to look at our trials. He tells us what our attitude should be. Notice with me, two things I see. One, I see our joyful anticipation. Notice again verse 1. James makes, considering the context, he's talking about trials, he makes what first appears to be a very strange statement. That's what he said in verse 2, rather. My brethren, now listen to this carefully. Count it all joy when you suddenly find yourself in the middle of a trial. When you're ambushed by life, count it all joy when you find yourself engulfed in a diversity of trials, count it all joy. Now you might say, preacher, how can you have joy when you're, the bottom is falling out? How can you have joy when your world is crumbling in around you? How can you have joy in trials? Most of us would say the joy is when we escape trials, not when we encounter trials and I want you to notice carefully what James is saying look at the word count this is a fascinating word and really blesses my heart to understand the context the word count that he uses there is a word that means to think ahead write it down and follow me James said I want you to think ahead with joy I want you to look forward James is not talking about you jumping up and down and clicking your heels in the middle of the adversity but James is looking ahead and He's looking ahead at what? he's looking ahead at the end result of the trial and James said I want you to look ahead and there's joy and understanding that when this thing is done it will be to my benefit it's like Samuel Rutherford to the old British preacher, Scottish preacher that said, Whenever I find myself in a cellar of affliction, I always look around for the wine. And I want to say to you tonight that when you're in the cellar of affliction, our wine is what God is doing in our life and what He's going to do for us at the, at the, as the result of our trial. Are you going through a trial tonight? Count it all joy. Look ahead because somewhere down the road, What now is bringing you burdens is going to reap you blessings down the road. What now is bringing you heartache is going to reap you happiness. What now hurts one day is going to bring you joy. He said, look down the road. Your joy is in knowing this that somewhere this thing is working for my good and for my glory. You know what James is saying? Let your tears become telescopes. Instead of dwelling on the pain and the adversity of the moment, look down the road and say, I don't know what's going on in my life now. I don't know why God's let this happen in my life now. But I do know this, that nothing happens without a purpose in my life. And when it's said and done, maybe God is purifying me. Maybe God is stabilizing me. Maybe God is maturing me. I don't know. But when it's said and done, God is going to bless me and do something wonderful in my life. He's saying it may be hard now, but you look down the road. (laughs) Amen? It may be tears now, but let your tears become telescopes as your joyful anticipation, the anticipation of what it's going to bring in your life. I assure you this by the authority of the Word of God, no adversity is without its blessings. Blessings. There's valleys you go through, but God always has a mountain at the end of your valley. And the deeper your valley, the higher your mountain. And the greater your load, the greater your blessing's gonna be. Count it all joy. Look down the road at the end result of this thing. There's glory ahead for you, there's blessings ahead for you. Turn your tears into telescopes. See down the road what is happening in your life a joyful anticipation. But look at the second thing, the final thing I just want to put out. James only talks about our joyful anticipation but he talks about our willful participation. You notice in verse 4, don't miss this. Let patience have her perfect work. Notice that. Let patience have her perfect work. James is calling for our cooperation in what God is doing. Now, James has just told me trials are going to come. James has just told me it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And he's just told me that God is going to, whatever whatever when the trials come, that God is, has a purpose in them. He's going to do something in our life, and he, won't, and he brings these trials in order to produce certain things in our life. Therefore, let him do what he wants. Cooperate with God. Instead of fighting and resisting what is going on in our life, instead of getting bitter about what happens, instead of complaining about what happens, say, Dear God, I don't know why it's happening, but I know there's a reason there. Therefore, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to submit to you. And I'm going to let you work in my life. After all, when it's said and done, the trial will be worth it. Let me of this I close. I read one time about the roses that are taken from the Balkan mountains. And according to the article that I read, these particular roses produce some of the world's finest perfume. Perfume, not the perfume you'll get at Walmart. I'm talking about the perfume that you'll pay an arm and leg for, and only have an ear to put it on left when you pay for it. Some of the world's finest perfume come from these roses. But here's what I found interesting about the story. In order to get the lovely fragrance, the workers have to gather the roses in the darkest part of the night. And they gather their roses shortly after midnight and they conclude their picking within two hours. And that short little time span of two hours, the breadth of the work period is based on scientific tests that show that during this interval, the blossoms give their most pleasing scent. And that once the sun arises, the roses still have a beautiful smell, but 40% of the aroma fades with the coming of the day. There's that little window that they get the aroma at its best. Now, you listen to me. We may face and we will. Let me, let me scratch the word may. We will face dark times in our life. But if you want to experience the sweet aroma, it is in the dark hours that it will be experienced. And in the dark times are necessary. Therefore, James said, I want you to turn your tears in the telescopes when you experience trials. Count it all joy. Look ahead. To what all this is going to mean to you in the long run and he said that will be your joy take your prayer sheet for tonight aren't you glad for the truth of god's word amen what a wonderful wonderful passage i love james our missionary of the week is brother george trask sand mountain bible camp we appreciate brother george bless uh, brother george and his work we He's our missionary of the week. We're going to pray for him and the work of Sand Mountain Bible Camp here in a moment. Our church of the week is Friendship Baptist Church in Saluda, North Carolina. Brother Henry Vector, dear man, precious man, we want to remember the church and pray for them. And then your hospital is Irene at Life Care. Saw Irene today and we want to continue to pray for Irene. Helen Stephen at Health South. Uh, Rodney, is, she's gone home, isn't she? She's gone home, that's what I was thinking. Rodney Burgess at Memorial. Juanita Warnick is at uh, Memorial. Juanita just found out she has blood cell cancer, and they're trying to build her up before they begin her, ke- her chemotherapy. Pam King, she has cancer, and she's at Parkridge, and she is not doing well. And then Maddie Mitchell's nephew at Nashville, and then uh, Mike West. Most of you know Mike here, one of the best workers we've got in the church. Uh, he's scheduled to leave Friday to go to Japan and uh, to help uh, put a roof on a building in Japan. But Mike failed today at work off a ladder and broke both of his wrists. And so he had to have surgery this afternoon. He is at Erlanger Hospital. And uh, so we want to remember Mike and pray for him. We love Mike. Bless his heart. And my heart just grieves for him. And, uh, but he's broke both of his wrists. But uh, let's pray for him. And then a special, friend, a special request that was given to us for a Laurel Stuckley, is that right? Stuckley at Erlanger Hospital. And then someone uh, gave me a special request for a Mike Brooks. And so these names we want you to remember tonight and pray for. Let's all come gather around the altar. Let's pray tonight for Sand Mountain Bible Camp, George Trask. Let's pray for Brother Vector. Let's pray for Friendship Baptist Church in Saluda, North Carolina. Let's pray the Lord to touch them. And let's pray now that the Lord will work the truth of God in our lives, that we will realize that everything that happens in life has a purpose and God will use it in our lives and we can rejoice in that. Let's pray for Sunday. I'll tell you what, this past Sunday was a blessing. If it gets any better here, we're all just going to load up in a chariot and leave. But let's pray that God will just continue to move and touch us, amen, and continue to work in our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name. We come tonight to bring these needs before you pray tonight brother trask and sand mountain bible camp thank you for brother trask thank you for the ministry at sand mountain bible camp i pray you bless them provide every need they have touch brother george i know he gets lonely in the absence of his wife but i pray you touch him encourage his heart encourage his children as they serve god there bless the ministry, supply every need they have. Thank you for it. We pray tonight for Friendship Baptist Church in Saluda, North Carolina. Brother Vector, what a faithful man he has been to you through the years, faithful to that church. I pray you bless them up there in those mountains. God, touch them, visit them in a special way. Years ago, Lord, you did something special in those mountains and their friendship. God, would you do it again for them? I know this, Brother Henry's burden, and I pray you touch them and visit them them a special way on those mountains God work move for Jesus sake then for all of those in the hospital we pray you touch them and meet their needs and work in their lives and minister their hearts through a time of sickness versed in affliction some are serious and some are very needy and we lift these up to you we pray again tonight for our bible conference is coming up in a few weeks that it'll be anointed the Lord we pray for the Lord's day that it'll be anointed the Lord that you'll continue to move may we When we come Sunday, when we walk in the doors, may the presence of God be sensed. May it be very obvious that you are with us. But move on the Lord's day. Continue to bless. Bless our building program. Thank you for how you blessed on the Lord's day. Continue to bless, Lord. Provide all that we have. Touch our hearts. Lead us and guide us and direct us in our giving to you. Not only our special gifts to you, but our weekly giving to you. May we learn to tithe and give And give to special projects such as our building program. So bless us. May we grow in these areas. Thank you now for your word. Thank you for the truth of God. Use it in our lives. May it strengthen us and build us. May we grow as a result of what we've learned and what we've seen tonight in your word. Touch us now. And we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Let's come back on the Lord's Day anticipating God to do great things for you. Let our visitors know how glad we are to have them tonight.